The following message is from the audio ministry of Coastal Community Church. We trust you'll find it helpful and encouraging. Now, here's Pastor Chris Rollins. Good morning. Welcome to Coastal Community Church. Uh, great to have you with us today. Uh, we hope that you're, you've enjoyed your summer because it is coming to an end, coming to a close. Uh, this is the last week of summer before uh, Charleston County School begins the following Monday. Are you excited about that? Okay, okay. A few parents are happy, kids are not, so uh, get over it. Anyway, okay, it's coming. Um, we are in week four of our sermon series this summer uh, called Summer Reading. And what we've been doing is uh, each week we've been using uh, a different book uh, that we've kind of recommended. We had like a, a list of six books we said we were going to be using this summer and uh, said they're all great books, read them. And then each Sunday uh, I would use a, a different book, the subject matter of that book for that Sunday's uh, message. And so today's book is entitled uh, Before Amen. Before Amen. And it's, it's by one of my favorite all-time authors, uh, Max Lucado. And uh, in fact, um, the very first, little, little bit of trivia here for you, the very first sermon that I ever preached here at Coastal Community Church. It was Easter Sunday, uh, 1990, downtown at the Old Exchange Building. That was our very first service. Um, I actually, my message that Sunday was based off of the outline uh, from one of his very first books, uh, Six Hours, One Friday. And that's another great book. So if, you, if you've never read any of Max Lucado's books, he's a prolific author today, uh, kind of like the, the, the modern uh, Charles Swindoll. Charles Swindoll back in the day used to write a lot of books, and uh, Max Lucado writes a lot of books as well. But um, this one is good. Uh, today's book, Before Amen, is all about prayer. Raise your hand if you've ever struggled in your prayer life. Anybody? We've got some, as he calls them, prayer wimps. I mean, I hope, I, my, my thought is probably just about all of us at some time or another uh, have struggled uh, with prayer. And so if you have, listen to me. This book is for you. It's a great, a great book and a great read. Listen to the opening paragraph of this book and see if you can relate to this. Hello, my name is Max. I'm a recovering prayer wimp. I doze off when I pray. My thoughts zig, then zag, then zig again. Uh, distractions swarm like gnats on a summer night. If attention deficit disorder applies to prayer, I am afflicted. When I pray, I think of a thousand things I need to do, and I forget the one thing I set out to do. Pray. Anybody relate to that? Does that sound familiar? Uh, I know it does for me. Um, well, if you can relate at all to his struggle, again, pick up a copy of this book uh, and read it. He basically shares and explains a very uh, simple outline uh, that you can use uh, to enhance your prayer life, to, to pray. You know, it's one of the interesting things about uh, the Christian journey. You know, a lot of times pastors and preachers and teachers, you know, will rant and rave about certain things like, you need to pray, you ought to be praying. And, and then a lot of you feel guilty because you don't pray. But then the truth is, no one ever taught you how to do it. No one ever taught you how to pray. And so if you're looking for some great resources and learning how to pray, uh, this, is a, this is a great book. But instead, this morning, of, of using his outline uh, and kind of teaching you how to pray, I, I want to kind of go even a step before that. And I want to talk about the attitudes that we ought to have before we pray. If God's going to answer our prayer, you know, what kind of attitude uh, should we have? Well, let me begin by saying this. Let me ask you a question. Kind of paint a picture for you this morning, give you a little bit of a scenario. What if I told you that next Sunday, uh, this, you know, this coming Sunday, Jesus is going to be visiting us in person? 
And he's going to be here at Coastal. He was actually physically going to be here in our building. And he's going to meet with people one-on-one in in 15-minute intervals. And we're going to start the day like at 6 in the morning. And uh, we'd sign people up for, you know, 15-minute time slots, four people every hour. Now, if if this were real and this were on the level, not a hypothetical situation, and, and you had all week long to think, about your conversation with Jesus. And, oh, and I didn't tell you this. In this face-to-face time with Jesus, you have the opportunity to make one request of him. Okay, you can ask him anything you want, and he'll answer it, make one request, and he'll give you uh, your request in this period of time. Okay? So what would your request be? You know, what, what question, you know, would you ask Jesus? Now, obviously, that, that's a you know, hypothetical scenario. Um, but if it were real, you know, what, what would be on your heart and mind this, you know, on that day? You know, what would you ask Jesus about? What would you ask him for? A new job? Uh, a miracle for your finances? For the lady with big hair in front of you to move? You know, I don't know. Um, you know, what would it be? I mean, uh, wisdom, greater faith, uh, healing you know, for a loved one? You know, that's kind of an interesting, you know, question to consider. Uh, but, but get this. And this is what I want you to hear loud and clear. Uh, the disciples of Jesus actually were able to do the exact same thing on an occasion. In fact, in, uh, in Luke chapter 11, we're basically told that they come to Jesus one day and, and they make a request. One request. Here it is. They say, Lord, teach us how to pray. Teach us to pray. Now, you know, several weeks ago, we talked about some of the weird things in Scripture. Uh, I, I think that's a weird request. I mean, I think that's crazy. I mean, think about it. These guys, I mean, they'd been with Jesus already for three years, and they'd seen everything that he had done. They'd heard everything he said. I mean, they listened to him teach. Uh, they'd seen the miracles, the miracles of Jesus firsthand. They saw him heal the sick. They, they saw him cast out demons. They watched him raise the dead. All these things, but never once, never one time did they say, Lord, teach us how to preach. You know, Lord, teach us how to do miracles. God, give us the, you know, the 101 class on walking on water. Never did that. But instead of all the things they could ask, they say, Lord, teach us to pray. I mean, that's crazy. Why? Why in the world would they make that request of Jesus. I think one of the reasons might be is that they'd seen him pray. And they were they were drawn to what they saw in Jesus. They'd figured out that man, Jesus was a man of prayer. He lived and he taught a life of prayer. It, it was central to everything that he was and everything that he did. In fact, I would argue that there is nothing more vital to our Christian life than that day-by-day ongoing conversation with our loving Heavenly Father. Well, today, what I want us to do is I want us to talk about some important attitudes that we need to have before we pray. You know, instead of before amen, you might say this sermon is before dear Heavenly Father, okay? You know, and, and I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know all of your stories. Maybe you're here today and you've been praying about something on a real personal gut level. Maybe it's about a decision you've got to make in the future. Maybe uh, it is involving a relationship. 
Maybe it's the salvation of your kids. Maybe there's a serious problem in your family or at work. You know, how does God answer? And what what should we expect? Well, I believe that we need at least four attitudes uh, before we pray, uh, before we receive an answer from God. Let's talk about it, okay? Number one, uh, I think we've got to be willing to let God answer in his own time. We need to let God answer in his own time. In other words, according to his schedule, his timetable, uh, whenever he thinks it's best. You see, sometimes God doesn't answer immediately on, on our schedule. Now, why? Why in the world would God, you know, make his children wait? Well, there, there's kind of an interesting story about that, I think, in the story of uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth, uh, found in the first chapter of Luke. Have you ever prayed about something and then wondered whether or not God was going to answer? Now, let me ask you this. What if, though, God were to send an angel from heaven to meet you face to face and just show up you know you're you're praying maybe you're it's early in the morning you're in your you know your living room you got your coffee and then you know the lights you know and and the the heaven that was my angel voice "Ah," you know split and uh you know i mean like boom you know it's bright and there's an angel right in your presence and the angel says i am here to tell you that god will answer your prayer I mean, wouldn't you be convinced, right? I mean, that, that, that'd be, whoa, there we go, that's great. I mean, you would be like, man, this is going to happen, no doubt. Well, the crazy thing is, that's exactly what happened to this guy named Zechariah in the Bible. The Bible tells us that while he was in the temple, an angel of God, the archangel, shows up and says, basically, God sent me to tell you that your prayer has been heard and it's going to be answered. Now again, talk about weird stuff in the Bible. Check out Zechariah's response in Luke chapter 1, verse 18. He said, how can I be sure of this? Are you, are you crazy? I mean, th- I mean isn't that, is that not nuts or what? I mean, you're going, what do you mean, Zechariah? How can you be sure? You are talking to an angel. You know, face to face from God, the angel Gabriel. What other evidence could you possibly need? Well... Why didn't he believe? I actually think it's because he had stopped praying that prayer years ago. Like years before. In fact, the problem is, if you read this passage casually, it kind of looks like, you know, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. He goes into the temple, he prays, the angel comes and says, your prayer has been answered. But that's not what happened. The fact of the matter is, Zechariah and Elizabeth had given up on that prayer. I mean, years earlier, Zechariah said, I am an old man, my wife is well along in years. In other words, we gave up on that thing a long time ago, angel. And yet, sometimes God delays. You know, so I think the first attitude we need to have in in approaching prayer and approaching this relationship with God is that we got to let him answer in his own time, not ours. In fact, look back at verse 13. It says, the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Now, you don't see this in Greek, but uh, literally that means your prayer has already happened. It actually reached God and God answered it a long time ago. You just haven't gotten your answer here yet. You see, God always hears us immediately, but sometimes there's a delay on our end. 
you know, in, in the receiving of the request. There's no delay in it reaching God. It's there instantly. But sometimes he delays his response to us for a period of time. And that's a tough lesson for us to learn. You know, that's, a, that's a, an especially a tough lesson for kids to learn. You know, kids, especially younger children, they don't understand the difference between no and what? Not yet. Ever done that one with your kids? And you're, you're, in fact, you, you, we're just like them, though. But when you say that to your kid, what do they say? No, not yet means what? No, that's what they think, right? Because they're immature. I mean, for instance, your, your little one comes to you wanting dessert, you know, like a half an hour before dinner, and you say, not yet. Now, they pitch a fit and act, act as though you have denied them food for the rest of their life. Why? Because they're immature. And they don't understand that there is a difference between no and not yet. And one of the marks of maturity in the Christian life, and especially as it relates to prayer, is just the ability to wait on God. You know, Psalm 37, 7 says, be still before the Lord and what? Wait patiently for him. How many of you maybe have ever said, you know what, I've tried prayer, Pastor Chris. I prayed for two weeks for something and nothing happened and I gave up. I've lost my faith in prayer. You haven't lost your faith, you've lost your patience. Why? Why does God delay? I think sometimes it's because he wants to prepare us first. You know, he wants to get us ready. You know, he wants to bless us, and he, but in order to give you that blessing, he's got to prepare you for it. I mean, let's say your nine-year-old today after church, you know, they've been in the first through fifth grade classroom, and they come running up to you and say, Mom, Dad, can I drive home today? Now, obviously, you're going to say, no, not today. When you're older, when you're more mature, when you learn how to drive, you know, all those things, but not yet, you're not ready. Well, sometimes, I think God waits to give us our request because the timing's not right. You know, the point I'm making is this. God is never late. His timing is always perfect. God's delays are not God's denials. Did you hear that? God's delays are not God's denials. So the first attitude we need to have in approaching prayer is the willingness to let God answer in his own time. Number two, we also need to be willing to let God answer in his own way. Not only when he thinks best, but also what he thinks best. In Isaiah 55, it says this, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. You know, one of the reasons sometimes God delays an answer to prayer is because, you know, it just might be he's planning to answer in a much bigger, better way than you ever imagined. I mean, in fact, think about it. what would have happened back to this story in Luke, Luke chapter 1 if, if God had answered and granted Elizabeth and Zechariah's request immediately years before when they had prayed it. You know, now, what would they have gotten? Literally, well, they would have gotten a little Jewish baby, right? That would have been great, and they would have loved him and loved her, you know, cherished that baby. Everything would have been rosy. But God, instead, delayed their request for a number of years. He answered, but the immediate answer at that time was not yet. But I think he did so because he was planning for them to parent John the Baptist, right? The cousin of Jesus, the forerunner to the Messiah. He had a different plan. And so we've got to be willing to let God answer in his own way. You see, sometimes our problem is twofold. We often ask for too little and we want it too quick. And by too little, what I mean is that we just have a limited perspective. 
right? We think we know best. We think what, you know, what ought to happen. And yet God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are different than ours. The apostle Paul in Ephesians 3.20 wrote that God is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ever ask or imagine according to his power that's work within us. So we got to let God answer in his own time, in his own way. I mean, sometimes I think back and I think, man, if God had answered all my prayers, I'd be in trouble, you know? I mean, uh, you know, again, uh, applied to the way we pray. Let's say you're praying about a particular job. And, uh, you know, you think it looks great and you prayed about it and you're hoping to get it, but then it falls through. You know what? Maybe God's got a better idea. Okay, single adults, let's pick on you for a second. You're praying about a relationship. It doesn't work out. Listen, don't sweat it. God's got a plan B. Actually, it's plan A. That loser was plan B, okay? You know? Let God answer in his own time and in his own way. It might be immeasurably more than ever you could ever think, ask, or imagine. Number three, we need to let God answer in his own power. In his own power. You know, there, there's, a, there's an important principle in this story with Zechariah and Elizabeth. Uh, the principle is this. Oftentimes, God waits to answer our prayer until the situation is humanly impossible. You know, when did God give Zechariah and Elizabeth this baby? Evidently, it was way, you know, way past the point of childbearing years. In fact, Zechariah told the angel, I'm an old man, my wife is well along in years. I mean, apparently they'd kind of given up and they'd resigned to the fact that physically they weren't able to have kids. And yet that's when God answered. Why? Well, when God answers in an impossible situation, who gets the credit? Who gets the glory? You or God? God does. That's what I mean by by being willing to let God answer in his own power. Now listen, he doesn't need you to bail him out. Now that's a tough principle to learn for, for some of us. You might be the kind of person who's kind of like, you know, you're the, the type A, high D, you know, personality that's always get things done. You know, you're the catalyst in most situations. And there's, there's probably nothing more difficult for you than to adopt kind of a, a hands-off approach to solving a problem. I mean, you know, you're just used to taking the bull by the horns and doing whatever's necessary to get the job done. Now, listen to me, though. I'm not talking about laziness, okay? I'm not talking about not doing your part. I mean, I'm a firm believer in pray like it all depends on God, work like it all depends on you, but walk by faith and trust him for the results, okay? So I'm not talking about not doing your own part, but let me ask you a question. Have you ever prayed about something, but then, honestly, you went out on your own and kind of circumvented God in the whole process and just went to try to solve it on your own, in your own power. Let me tell you something, that's, that's a recipe for disaster. Think about Abraham for a second. He was, remember the story? He's like 75 years old, Sarah's 65, and God promise him, promises them that they're gonna make, he's going to make a great nation out of Abraham and his descendants. Now there's one problem with that. They don't have any kids either. Okay, Romans 4.19 tells us that without weakening in his faith, he, Abraham, faced the fact that his body was as good as dead 
How's that? Is that a good description? Anybody feel that way this morning? My body is good as dead, God. Okay. Uh, but, you know, he was 100. I don't know what your excuse is, okay? But, and, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Now, you go back to Genesis and read the story for yourself because here's what happened. Along the way, they decided that they were going to take matters into their own hands and have a child, you ready for this, by another woman. Now, that obviously wasn't in God's plan. Um, and as you can imagine, it created all kinds of problems But they've been waiting on God now at this point in Scripture for over 25 years. And Sarah is now 90 years old. And so the situation seems hopeless. It was impossible. But that's not true. Because with God, all things are possible. And it was at that moment that God intervened with a miracle, and Isaac was born, just as he had promised. You see, sometimes it's just that God will allow things, from our perspective, to get to the point of hopelessness, so that he can get the most glory out of it. So we need to let him answer in his own power. So we've got to let him answer in his own time, in his own way, and in his own power. And then number four, we need to be willing to let God answer for his own purposes. In other words, not only when he wants and how he wants, but for whatever reason he might choose. Let me ask you, let me think about this, when, you know, or or why. Why does God answer prayer? I mean, what are his reasons? Well, I think ultimately the Bible says that, you know, that could be summarized in two statements. One, God answers prayer for our growth, and then two, for his glory. Okay, for our growth. What I mean by that is for our growth, our, yes, our gain, our blessing. But then number two, he, he answers for, for his glory. You know, think about it. Why, why did God answer Elizabeth and Zachariah's prayer for a son? Well, I think, sure, it was to bless them, to provide for them. But he also needed John the Baptist. He had a purpose for that little boy. And he knew that, you know, he needed that family and those parents and that mom and that dad to raise him well. I think a great example of this and, uh, uh, can be seen in, in the life of the Apostle Paul, being willing to let God answer in his own purposes. Here's a man that let God over and over again answer prayer in his own time, in his own way, in his own power, uh, even for his own purposes. Uh, think about this. The Apostle Paul wrote uh, what we know is the, the book of Romans in the New Testament. Uh, he wrote it to the Christians in Rome. Uh, it's the capital city of the Roman Empire at that time. Uh, chapter 1, verse 7, he says, To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. And then he tells them that he's been praying for them in verse 10. Notice his request. He says, I remember you in my prayers at all times, and I pray that now at last, by God's will, the way may be opened. For me to come to you. And then he says it again in verse 15. That's why I'm so eager to to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. So here's the Apostle Paul, right? Spiritual giant. I mean, sure, he's a great man of prayer. And uh, so his desire, his dream, his ultimate goal is to go to Rome and to preach the gospel. He says, I want to be, you know, in the most significant city in the world and have an opportunity to win that city for Jesus. In fact, at the very end of the letter, he still talks about 
coming to Rome. In verse uh, chapter uh, 15, verse 20, he says, It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known, so that I would not be building on somebody else's foundation. And then in verse 24, he says, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. I hope to visit you while passing through and to have you assist me on my journey there after I have enjoyed your company for a while. So again, his desire, his heart is to go to Rome. Now, did God answer his prayer? Yes. How? How did God answer his prayer? In Acts chapter 28, verse 16, Luke, talking about Paul, says this. When he got to Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with a what? A soldier, with a soldier to guard him. Now, honestly, I think when Paul originally, you know, prayed and wrote that request, you know, to, to, to the Christians in Rome that he wants to come, I don't think that's what he had in mind. House arrest, okay? Paul went to Rome, but he went as a prisoner. You know, he got put through the, the court system of, of Rome, and, and he ended up in Rome as a prisoner in a house chained to a Roman guard. I don't think that was his plan. You know, he basically asked the Christians there to pray for him that he might have a prosperous journey. Well, what kind of journey did he have to Rome? Well, in Acts 27 and 28, it tells us, listen to this. He's in a shipwreck, he's in chains, it's in the middle of winter, and he's bitten by a poisonous snake. Okay, not exactly, you know, the love boat Mediterranean cruise, okay, that, that he had hoped for. I mean, that's not how it went down. Now, the point is this, though, don't miss this today. Paul did make it to Rome. But he had the attitude of, you know, a willingness to let God work in however God wants to work. You know, and this is what's amazing to me, and I think about this especially in this political season that we're in. How did Paul get there? He got there through Caesar. Think about that for a second. Sometimes God answers our prayers through the most unlikely of people. You know, so don't come up to me and tell me you're, you're thinking about leaving the country because you're afraid of who's going to be in office at the next election. God will work through anyone. You know, even a donkey, okay? And that's not a political statement. I just meant that, okay, that was off the cuff. Anyway, but that's biblical, okay? Go back in the Old Testament. He spoke through an ass, okay? So he can speak through anyone he chooses to. And yet we act like we're afraid of Almighty God and how he might choose to answer our prayer? You know, so he can, he can answer our prayer through any unlikely source that he chooses. And he also will do it in his own time. You know, I, I wonder about how many times the Apostle Paul must have packed his bags thinking he was going to head off to Rome. I mean, he wanted to go there more than anything else. But God's never in a hurry. He also answered... For his own purposes. And again, if you read you know, what he wrote in, 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 the, in Romans, man, he wanted to go there and preach the gospel. I mean, he wanted to go there and just tell people about Jesus and stand up in front of everyone and, and preach the good news. Well, why did God want Paul in Rome? Not to preach. To write. He had a lot of time on his hands. Under house arrest. So you know what he did? Well, he wrote a bunch of letters to churches all over the Mediterranean. 
In fact, you got a copy of those letters today. It's called the New Testament. I mean, man, you think about that. We have the New Testament because Paul was allowing God to answer his prayer in his own time, in his own way, and for his own purposes. What's your attitude today in your prayer life? You like that, that, that little kid? Not yet. That means no. Listen, let me summarize this way. When you pray and the request is not right, God will say no. When you pray and you're not right, God will say grow. When you pray and maybe the timing is not right, God might say slow. But when you pray and everything's right and everything's in place, God says go. You know what's so awesome about prayer? Is that God wants a relationship with you. He wants that with me. Let me ask you a question. Have you started that relationship yet? You know, we say here at Coastal that it is as wonderful and beautiful and yet as simple as a prayer. Do you know that you can be forever adopted into God's family have an intimate, personal relationship with the Heavenly Father, the creator of the universe, the one who made you and has a purpose for your life. You can have forgiveness for everything that you've ever done, a clear conscience, and a home reserved in heaven if you will humbly come before your loving Heavenly Father in prayer and simply tell him that you believe and ask him, ask him to to, to allow Jesus to come into your life to forgive you of your sin and to be your personal Savior and Lord. Man, you can do that today. What are you waiting on? You've been listening to a message from Pastor Chris Rollins of Coastal Community Church. For more information about Coastal or to explore what your next step of faith might look like, check us out online at coastalcommunitychurch.org. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, thanks for listening.